Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. I just got to tell you this morning, I love, I love this church. There's so many people in here that I love um, because you're an encouragement to me. You're an encouragement to my family. This is a community of believers that loves. And if you don't know that yet, you haven't been here long enough probably. Uh, there's so many chances for you to connect. If you haven't connected, please connect somehow. Um, and you'll feel the love, all right? Uh, God's love is evident in so many people. And um, I'm truly blessed to, to be here this morning uh, to share the word of God with you. We've been, uh, we've been focusing on the, on the book of John and the I am statements of Jesus. Where Jesus declares his deity, he says, I am that I am. I am God. God and I are one and the same. <clears throat> in, uh, in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is that Word. And we've talked about Jesus' declaration that he is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door. He is the good shepherd. He's the resurrection and the life. He is the way, truth, and the life. And in those statements, he he declares that he is God. And this morning, we're going to talk about the last one that's mentioned in John, the last I am statement. So if you get out your Bibles this morning... um, we're going to turn to John 15, the first eight verses of that we're going to focus on this morning. Let's just ask the Lord to, to bless the word. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, the revelation of you, God, that comes through the word. And this morning we, we pray that your word would be living and active, Lord, and penetrate our hearts that we would hear your voice and that your Holy Spirit would speak clearly to us today, your intention, your purpose for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning we're going to read John 15, 1 through 8. And let's see if you can figure out the last I am statement. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be 
my disciples. So Jesus is the true vine. And, you know, here in Northeast Colorado, I, I don't know. Does anyone here have a grapevine growing in your backyard? Anybody? In your garden? There's one. Two. Online, I, I don't know. Maybe you're someplace where grapevines grow uh, plentiful. But, you know, here in Northeast Colorado, it's kind of a tough thing to get to go. Uh, it's, it's a thing. It, to get a grapevine started is difficult. But in Israel, it's very common, right? Uh, grapes are a, a staple uh, for, uh, for food, for wine, for things like that. So, um, but here in northeast Colorado, I'd say we have, we have different kinds of vines, right? Uh, maybe pumpkin vine. You guys raise your hands. I got those. Uh, tomato vine, maybe. And everybody's got this vine. Puncture vine. Goat heads. Oh, yeah. Nobody, you didn't know what puncture vine was. But that's the description, puncture vine, because it punctures everything. And that stuff, one little seed, whew, thousands of, of, of goat heads. So we do have vines here. Uh, grape vines would be much better than puncture vines, I, I, I promise you. And so we had tomatoes this year. And I know some of you guys are really good gardeners. I, I see you in here. Uh, you're really good gardeners. I see you on Facebook. I see you showing off. <laughs> I planted four tomato plants this year, and I'm going to show off a little. I didn't do anything except put them in the ground and water them, maybe give them a little fertilizer, and they went crazy. They went nuts. I've never seen so many tomatoes in all my life. Uh, it's not because of my abilities or my wife's abilities. It's just maybe, I don't know, maybe it just happened. Uh, and so we had a tomato that tomatoes that grew and they grew through our cucumbers and they grew through our squash they spread out everywhere and anytime I saw a tomato anywhere in the garden I could trace it back to the root to the beginning it was always a tomato just because it went through the cucumbers didn't turn into a cucumber it remained a tomato Some of you guys have planted gardens and nothing's come up. And you've tried really hard. And you know what you're doing. So I apologize for my story about my tomatoes. But it does take effort to plant, to fertilize, to water, to cultivate a garden. And when you, when you do all those things and it doesn't produce fruit, uh, it's frustrating. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. Jesus said that. So kind of a little backstory to, uh, to this. They had, in, at the end of chapter 14, they had just left the upper room. And they were now walking in the dark towards the Garden of Gethsemane, where soon Jesus would be betrayed. Um, he would be handed over to the soldiers and later crucified. Judas had already left. Uh, Judas had, had they, Jesus had already identified Judas and he had left. And during this time in the upper room, Jesus had shared very important things with the disciples because he knew his time with them was about done. If you had, if you had been in the same situation, if you had people that were 
you were in charge of, and they needed to know the task that they needed to do. They needed to know information. You would make it very important. So I think the things that were shared that night, we need to take with the utmost importance as well. And he says, I am the true vine. So there's three characters in this statement. The first one is that he is the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. So you might say, well, if Jesus is the true vine, who is the fake vine? Who is the fruitless vine? Who is the degenerate vine? But Jesus states in John 8, 58, he says, before, and this, this is what really angered the religious leaders. He said, before Abraham was, I am. So before Abraham was, I am. And this is important, unpacking the true vine statement and about the fake vine. The fake vine was Israel. Israel was the vine that was fruitless. Israel was the vine that throughout history, even though there were times of fruitfulness, overall they were, they were a failure. And Jesus was declaring now that from the beginning, I have been the true vine. Before Abraham, who was the beginning of Israel, the nation, I am the true vine. I was there at the beginning. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. It's kind of a long verse. It talks about Israel. It says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it pure wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. So the disciples that he was speaking to were Jewish. Do you guys agree with that? And the Jews are the chosen people of God from the time of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They were the chosen people of God. And the disciples knew what Jesus had said. Jesus had instructed them that he was going to die. And so far in their experience, when Jesus said something was going to happen, it happened. So they believed him. They believed they didn't know how or when, but they knew it would happen. And so there was doubt in their minds, like, what, what are we going to do? But Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew their uh, uncertainty. They thought, we, we're going to rely, if Jesus is gone, we're going to go back to our old way of thinking. We're going to go back, we can lean on our history, we can lean on our heritage. But Jesus says, you can't 
do that because that vine is going to be burnt up. You can only find life through me. There is only one way to the Father, Jesus said. That is through me. And through Jesus, we have right relationship with God. The word righteousness means right relationship with God. Righteousness comes through our faith in Jesus. Romans 3.21 and 22 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Without, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. You have no hope. The second character in this is, is the Father, Father God. And he's the gardener. And in this story that Jesus tells about the vineyard, the Father has, uh, he does two things. First, he cuts off dead branches. Branches that do not produce fruit, that are dead. He cuts them off. Secondly, he prunes the branches that produce fruit so that they will produce more fruit. So either way, something's getting cut, right? And the Father's doing the work. When I was, when I was a kid, I grew up in Arvada, and my dad planted two peach trees in our backyard. And I don't know if you know, but fruit trees are hard to grow. Uh, kind of like a grapevine. We just have, our, our weather's too extreme, it gets too cold, it's too windy, something is wrong. They just don't grow. Um, but Dad planted two peach trees, and we had great hopes, you know, and um, I don't know how old these trees were when this happened, but uh, we went out one day, and he had pruned the peach trees. And they didn't look good. It looked like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree, honestly. It was like, it was all hacked up. Um, Later during the, uh, in the, in later summer, those trees produce peaches. Like, I couldn't believe it. They were only about six feet tall, but they were like loaded with peaches. Like, almost to the ground. So it took the pruning, it took the cutting, that we didn't think looked very good, to produce the fruit. And the truth about it is that the Father cares for the vine, Jesus. And he's always cared for Jesus. And so, in doing so, the vine is healthy. It's productive. It accomplishes the purpose that God intended from the beginning. Jesus, the vine, and the Father have a relationship of care. John 8.29 says, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. So Jesus said that God who sent me has not left me alone. And that's important. The third character in this is the branches. That's where we come in. Okay, we're, we're the branches. And there are two types of branches that are all attached somehow to the vine. Some branches that bear no fruit, 
And it's impossible to not consider what's just taken place in this story, uh, at least for me. They, they had gathered in the upper room. Jesus had washed their feet. They had ate together. And Jesus identified his betrayer, Judas. And he said, what you're, getting, what you're about to do, just go do it. Get it over with. Get it done quickly. But to my amazement, the other disciples didn't know what was going on. You ever notice that? The disciples didn't. They couldn't identify Judas as the betrayer. Because the Bible says that they thought to themselves, is it I? Did I betray Jesus? If Judas had outwardly uh, given signs that he was the betrayer, they would have all pointed to Judas. They would have said, huh? Yeah, that's the guy. Go get him, Jesus. But they didn't. Now, Judas said all, all the right things. He did all the right things. You ever thought about Judas? He spent how many days with Jesus? He saw how many miracles? And yet... His heart was hardened towards the Lord. It's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? Could I be like that? Could I, as a minister, not be attached to the vine? Could you? Could we? Could we be like Judas? Judas did not bear fruit. He was cut off. And he was destroyed. So we can profess something. We can say something. We can, we can profess that we know God and that we love God. But unless we possess it, it does not produce fruit. It's not valid. We can say, he has good plans for me. But if I don't possess it, in my heart, it will not come to fruition. Jesus said we must remain in Him. We must remain in Him. We must abide in Him. We must be possessed by Jesus. You've heard of demon possession before? You need to be Jesus-possessed. Ha you have to be connected with Him so much that instead of people seeing you, they see Jesus. So those are the branches that, um, you know, it's easier to skip over that part, right? Nobody wants to be cut off and burned. I don't. Let's, let's talk about the fruitful branches, all right? Verse 2 says, While every branch that bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Like I said before, either way, cutting happens. Either way. But if we're producing fruit, we are pruned to produce more fruit. Some things that pruning does, it removes dead or dying things. So if you have, if your branch has some dead or dying things, uh, God comes, God the Father comes and prunes those things, things that we're, we try to hold on to maybe that are not part of His plan. Could be a relationship, 
could be a possession, could be an ideology, could be a, a goal of yours that doesn't line up with God's plan, and you ask him to, he'll prune it. He'll take it off. Pruning removes infection or disease. You know, you may have an infection, something that happened to you as a child that you've carried with you your whole life through no fault of your own. Something that happened to you, but it needs to be pruned. You need to take it to the Father. It might be a, a cultural influence. It might be something where your mind has been jaded or, or altered, but God says in Romans 12 too, that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we are not conformed to the pattern of the world. And pruning removes hindrances. You know, it's not just sin that, that God needs to prune off. There's sometimes there's, there's good things that God still needs to prune off. Um, I, I love the, the message Pastor Mark brought about the, the gate, Jesus being the gate. And when the gates open or when the doors open, you know, uh, just because the doors open does not mean that was meant for you. And I, I didn't, I never thought of it that way. Because anytime the doors open for me, I go in. Hey, that's for me. Thank you, God. But it's not always for me. I have a chainsaw at home. Um, it's a Husqvarna. Good, good saw, right? Hard to say. But I, could cut a tr I can cut a big tree down in less than a minute. All right? And when God prunes us, he uses a knife most of the time, if he can catch it in time. If I've walked through a door and I've claimed a promise that's not mine, but I narrowly focus on that and don't listen to his voice, that limb gets pretty big. And sometimes God's got to get the chainsaw out to prune me. Now, I don't know what you'd rather have. Either way, it hurts, right? The knife hurts, but the chainsaw hurts worse. It might be a, a promotion at work. It might be an opportunity that's, that's not meant for you. But always listen for God's voice. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to, he wants to prune us early when it's easy for us. Sometimes it's not easy anyway. But let's be, let's be pruned when, before our, our, before our mind takes over, really, and we, uh, we, we can't hear the Lord. And that's all about discipline. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So there can be peace in pruning because we know the Father has our best interest. Now, we are, we are pruned through difficulties, uh, hard times, trials, trouble. But we're also pruned by the Word of God. And the Word of God is the knife that prunes us. And Jesus told the disciples um, that 
in verse 3 of this story that you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus had spent so much time with them that they didn't have a chance to get too far off course. He was continually pruning. If you, if you watch the disciples and the, and the interaction they have with Jesus, Jesus was continually pruning them, correcting them, disciplining them. The word of God in Hebrews 4.12 said, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we listen to the word of God, when we pay attention to the word of God, God will prune us as we go. God convicts and he'll take care of those things before he needs a chainsaw. My preference, actually. James 1, 2, and 4, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you, that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. So when you face trials, when you're tested, it produces perseverance. And through perseverance, you become mature and complete. And the fruit is evident in your life. And the fruit, the fruit is for the glory of God. Our fruit is for the glory of God. And it's also so that others might see God at work in us and trust in Him. So Jesus is the true vine. He is the source of life. Without Him, we can do nothing. We will not produce fruit. And when we don't bear fruit, we're cut off and burned. Now, I hope everyone in here, <laughs> I hope you're in Christ. I really hope you are. I hope, I hope that you've trusted Christ and that you're connected and that you're alive, that your branch is alive. But you know what? This morning, if you're not, if, you, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today and say, you know, you're not alive, it's not, it's not too late. God is not willing that any should perish. He wants you alive. I would just suggest that you, you pray with somebody today. We have people at the prayer, prayer station back there that would love to pray with you. Find somebody else. If you need life, if your branches are dead, find life today. And if you're in Christ, hear me, you should bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, you're not in Christ. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say that. That's what Jesus said. It's an outward evidence that transformation is incurred inside of you. If transformation has not occurred, there will be no fruit. And the thing about fruit, when you, when you bear fruit, God always has more. God always has more. You may be proud of your 
apples or whatever you got growing, but he's always got more, and he'll prune you, and he'll develop you into the, the person that he has planned and purposed from the beginning. And he does this for his glory, like I said. He does it for his glory, and for, so that others may see and believe. The, the picture of the kingdom of God, we have the Father, the Son, we're the branches, and when it all works in harmony, it's a beautiful thing. And God takes care of the vineyard. God does what he has to do this morning. So I pray that God does that in you today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. If you guys would stand with me today. And as we consider what kind of branches we are today, where are you today? What's the condition of your branch? Are you producing fruit? Have you produced fruit? And if you're not, why? Have you experienced pruning? Yeah, I have. I think we all have. Close your eyes just for a minute, just to, we can focus on what the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. Consider God's plans and purposes for your life. As that relates to the vine, do you share close communion with Jesus, the vine? Are you abiding remaining in Him. Is He your source of life today? Is He your source of strength? Does the pruning that takes place, does it cause anger, bitterness? Or have you found peace in the pruning? Because you know your Father in heaven is perfecting you and making you fruitful for His glory. Father, this morning, I, I thank you for hearts that are submitted to you, Lord. God, I thank you for hearts that are fruitful today. God, and as you, uh, you move us forward in life and as we produce fruit, God, may we be joyful when we are pruned by you, God. As we hear your voice, as we hear your word, Lord, we obey and we're pruned by that that we would grow in you and grow deeper, closer to you in full communion tapping into the life that you provide the life that was from the beginning and will be forevermore God, and if there's anyone here that doesn't have life in the branch, speak to their heart, Holy Spirit. Draw them to you, God, so that they would have life, so that branch would be viable and produce fruit. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Jesus.
this morning, I've got two action steps. Sometime this week, read John 15, the whole chapter. There's some good stuff, even towards the end, that we didn't cover today. Just read it. Take it in. This was Jesus' last instructions before he, he went to the cross. Number two, ask God to reveal and prune the unnecessary things from your life. 